Good evening, everybody. This is Tom Capone of Spoilers Alerts, and you're joining us for Episode 7 of the Oceanside High School Soccer Reunion Podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by Leon and Andy Rosenberg. Andy and Leon. And Andy and Leon. Andy Tom, and Thomas, Leon Andy Rosenberg. and Leon, usually. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give me a chance to, uh, to correct that there. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. It's great to be part well, of this. It's very exciting about this reunion. And, and this is very exciting that we're doing something for the first time with these podcasts and that we have two people uh, joining me for this, this uh, conversation that we're having. So it, it is exciting. So, uh, guys, why don't we start with, uh, I'm afraid to say which one goes first here, but let's start with Leon. Leon, why don't you tell us where you're calling from, and then Andy can let us know where he's calling okay. from. So I'm, I'm calling from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Okay, and Andy, you're calling? I'm from calling from Manhattan. And, and I'm in Oceanside, so we're having a three-way conversation oh, great. here, and we're all here to talk about um, Oceanside varsity soccer and the championship season, and whatever um, recollections that you have, stories that you have, and actually, you did share with me a couple of things, which I can't wait to hear you relate to our listening audience. But just talk about what, um, what was your introduction to soccer, guys? How did you get into the sport? So this is Andy, and I get, you know, it's interesting the way we got into it. Um, our parents actually didn't let us play tackle football, and uh, we had to look for some sport to play, and I think we ended up choosing soccer. Leon, is that what you remember? Yeah, partly, and then I remember in, in seventh grade, uh, I think it was Larry Rosenblatt told us that he had played on the soccer team, I think winter running track or in the spring running track, and we didn't even know there had been a soccer team. So next year we tried out for the – the Oceanside Junior High School soccer team and, and played on that going forward. Do you remember who the coach was of the junior high soccer team? Uh, he no. was the assistant track coach mm-hmm. for the junior high school. Okay. Tom, are there going to be a lot of tough questions this evening? <laughs> well, that, that'll be the toughest oh, okay, one, good, I promise. Good. <laughs> Here's so a, you know, it's just interesting. In- I just want to tell a funny vignette. Uh, Saturday night, this past Saturday night, my wife had some guests over for dinner and she invited her um, an old camp friend of hers from probably the 1960s. And she brought along her husband and, you know, he was probably bemoaning the fact that he had to come over somebody's house uh, that he didn't know. So his wife could talk about their old memories of of camp. And he walks into the house and he just I guess just as they were walking in. He says, uh, whose house are we going to? And she said, Rosenberg, Andy Rosenberg. Well, anyway, it ended up that it was Steve Spitz, who I haven't seen in 50 years, probably. And he walked into my house. We had dinner together. That is unbelievable. Isn't it? And I mean, his wife and my wife are both laughing about, you know, the shirts and this and all the activity that was going on for this 50th reunion. And we're saying it was great. I don't think we talked about camp at all that whole evening. So you had a mini reunion. Yeah, it was great. And, and everybody will be getting together on November 17th, and we're going to have a lot of fun. I know that Jerry's been working hard planning this, but he said that um, it sounds as if that you guys are really getting caught up with the excitement as well and that you're looking forward to it as much as he is. Yeah, but our wives aren't coming. Um, <laughs> our wives are uh, boycotting this. Though, well, that, that's all. Yeah. Right. They don't need, but it, don't need, we don't need them. I'm, I'm not going to share that because my wife is coming. She doesn't know that some of the wives aren't coming. So I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. And so, and, and but, I listened to yesterday to Tom Brodsky's podcast. So I emailed him today because 
he said his, his wife was from uh, Woodmere. So, so I said, you know, my wife's from, uh, went to Hewlett High School also, Karen Gars. Uh, maybe she knows your wife. So he texts back, she, no, she doesn't know your wife, but up, update. Her, her older sister was good friends with my wife. And That's amazing. Yeah, small world. It, it, it is a small world. So, you know what, guys, I have to tell you that I remember you guys when I, I'm seven years younger than you guys. And I, I used to go to the games all the time to watch Jerry and you guys play. And uh, I was always looking up to many of the players on, on the team, but you guys in particular, because you guys also ran track, right? right. Both of you ran right. track, so you were soccer players and, and you, you ran track. And that's something that I, I did also. Um, and I, I think that I was kind of influenced by, uh, by you guys because of the, uh, you know, your, your involvement in soccer. If I remember, you were a hundred yard champion. <laughs> I was. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. I wasn't going to share that, but I appreciate you bringing that up. I was the South Shore champion in the 100-yard dash in 1976. Um, so, Tom, I'm glad that you shared that with me this afternoon. So interesting. <laughs> so, and I told Andy, that's why. So, <laughs> so, so why do you think that made a difference to me when you shared that to me? What do you, what do you think that is about us or guys or people that it – so does it define you at all, or does it just? Um, I don't I mean, know if it gets to know you better, or what is it about that that piece of data? I, I, I think it, it, it hopefully adds a layer of of uh, understanding of, of who I am and what my experiences have been here. You know, in Oceanside, I I don't know. <laughs> That's a good I, point, I, I Leon and Tom. I think it's interesting because throughout my career, I've you know people who are on teams and people understand working for the team and working together you know, have a different approach of making things happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to that year that we, those years that we were in high school, working uh, as a team for the championships, because we all worked as hard as we could. We all, you know, I think, you know, we were all hungry to win and uh, we wanted to win and we all took it personally. And I know this has a lot to do about Artie Wright, and none of us wanted to lose because we didn't want to have to face him and have disappointed him. So I think it's that mm -hmm. winning team attitude that sort of I remember from my high school days. Yeah, which is interesting you know, to me because I've so you, Andy, is the chief of anesthesia at, at NYU. He has a big team that he works for him. And, and, and this part of the big team, I'm a, I'm a solo practitioner, a psychiatrist, although my son just joined my practice. But it's interesting that it's so different you know so i'm out of my normal zone of being a team player and so i don't know if you if people don't know but andy and i are twins mm -hmm. so we're 24 minutes so i've always been we've always been team players you know from from day one so it's interesting that I'm, i the, my profession is a solo thing it's a totally different from being a team player except you're teaming up with your patients you know who right. doesn't necessarily have the same agenda you do so 24 minutes separated you two Right. Andy, you're the older. I'm the sister. older, yeah. And so, Leon. Yes, sir. Being that he was 24 minutes older than you, did he uh, assume the role as you were growing up of the of the big brother? No, we were equal. We were equal. Yeah. Were, were you competitive? Did you guys drive each other? Were you motivated by each other? We were very competitive. But were you motivated by each other? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You you, yeah, I don't think we, you think we were competitive with each other? Absolutely. You sure. Yeah. You would never let me win a game or something, right? <laughs> Tennis. You know, 
if I could, Did. but I would do it anyway. I would win most of the time. That wasn't really the issue, but you wouldn't really want me to. Did that competitive spirit ever get to a point where it became problematic or it was all positive in that it did oh. get you guys to strive to be your best? You want to tell the Triple S story, Andy? No. <laughs> Andy, Andy, you have to share it. Yeah, it I don't was, have to share it. No, no. Oh, come on. It, never, it never was competitive. It was no. always good. Always good. All right. Yeah. Um, there's something unique about you guys also. You, As I said, you ran track for Kenny Hendler. And if I'm not mistaken, he was your neighbor from across the street, was he not? Yes, he was. My mother, so, our mother found him in the house. Right is the that street. so? Yeah. What, she was a realtor? No, no, just... Oh, just uh, <laughs> how, did she, how did she know Kenny Hamler to find him the house? Boy, uh, she, so we ran, we ran high school track in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there were just four guys on the team. Um, Andy Collins, who's the other guy? I forget, but there's just four of us who ran for the high school. So we were, you know, at a young but there were other age. soccer players like Artie Silman were on the team, the running track right. guys, right, right. But so we, so we knew, Ken, so that was, and the fact that was Chernock that year, wasn't it? Right. So it was an interesting story. I thought about, it. so in terms of who, how, who, what molded us to be who we were. So I specifically remember, so indoor track, you take a bus into the Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, the, the armory, right? So we ran at the armory, right. and so the, mm-hmm. we're getting the, the bus stops in front of a building. We have no idea where we are, what we're doing, or anything. There are four freshmen on the team, and Chernock stands up in front and says, um, "I just want you to know, we, you know, all these competitors here, they each put on their shoe one foot at a time." And the reference was mm-hmm. that there were black athletes there that we were competing against, mm-hmm. and. The, mm-hmm. Just, you know, compete them head to head, man to man. That's the uh, nobody's better or worse than anybody else. You just do your best. So it was a, it was a very non-prejudicial way of uh, introducing us to, a, you know, to a, a new sport, a new neighborhood, a new uh, set of competition. Right. So like right. Tony Higgins has said, we, he said, from this tiny hamlet on Long Island, there was an all white hamlet at that time. It was a totally different com- competition. And then with Joe Goldberg, we mm. played against the, the Germans and the Russians and the Polish and the, you know, all these different teams, these stadiums in the middle of neighborhoods. Yeah, and we go there with all the guys that, you know, Tony and all the other people spoke about. And Leon didn't care who we got to fighting with. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I referenced that. I still have that vivid picture, Andy, of you, you know, in the, in the Ocean United, your hands behind your back and pushing up against the guy, you know, slug, because he had pushed me. You know, good. I dare you to take a slug at me. You were defending me. A protective yeah, brother. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I do want to go back for a second to uh, Kenny Hamlet. So he was your neighbor across the street, and and he was your coach. Right. Did that? Um, were, were you intimidated by that? Did that influence at all your uh, commitment to your workouts? I mean, how was that dynamic that existed between you guys and him, being neighbors and being members of his? Practice? I think the same way it was with uh, Coach Wright. That you know, these are people that you looked up to as role models and you wanted to do the best that you possibly could for them. Um, and you really didn't want to let them down because these were the guys who were, chose you to do a certain thing. And if you let them down, it's if you, and you let the whole team down. So it's interesting, and they want to see what you did. So, you know, a couple of the guys, when they talked about, right, they called them, called them Artie. Or I guess Kenny, we never had that kind of, you know, it was always the coach. You know, we still called coach. coach. 
even yeah. though his phone number is, you know, whatever it is. But you know, he's always, he's never Kenny to us. He's always coach, and that's so that we that always respectful attitude we have, just mm -hmm. that we assumed, and that was our comfort zone. To, they were the authorities that and uh, do our best for for them and for the team. They they were both great motivators, and the thing about Coach Hendler, he used to tell me how great a runner I was. I never believed that he believed it. <laughs> I think. I think he just said it to make you feel good. I, I don't know, but but it it seemed to work to some. Extent. He was a great. Was he him. was a great motivator. He wanted you to go out there. And the good thing about both those teams are, is that both teams were really excellent, county champion mm -hmm. teams. And you you were expected that hey, we're in the we're supposed to win, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, that that was really an important part of the whole mm -hmm. thing. You went out there, scored goals with it, you know. And it's always like a healthy competition, whether running. Or playing soccer, you know, Andy Collins, even Rudy LaMonica those days. Who could score more goals? Who could score more goals? The whole team was very mm -hmm. hungry. And uh, that was even more so in high school, I thought, than even in college. Right. Now, you guys were juniors when, when they won the first when you won the first championship? Yeah. And, but you said, and I think Andy um, or Leon, I can't remember who submitted these. I did, Leon. Leon. You talked about in tenth grade being in awe of the high school players. Right. So I, I remember that summer of tenth, the summer before tenth grade. One night, Andy and I went out to the uh, the high school to kick a soccer ball around on the football field. And I think the guy's name was Tony San Martino. That sounds like a wrestler's name, but some some guy like that. His name was, and he was out there kicking and uh, tall, thin, handsome guy. And and he and we we introduced ourselves and. He told us a little about the game, and, the, and I think he'd let us know there was going to be that marathon race around the entire high school grounds. Mm -hmm. And, and right. uh, so the first day of practice, we showed up, and Andy and I won that. You know, we were in the top two or three runners of, for the whole tenth, eleventh, and twelfth graders. Mm -hmm. And there was, uh... yeah, I mean, it was amazing. The guys that we played with, you know, you had guys like Gary Statham that you were looking up to and seeing the way they were playing, and you say, "Boy, could I ever play like that or be that good?" And that was the that was Oceanside High School soccer. It's phenomenal, phenomenal. You know what? The, the common denominator um, that connects each of the the podcasts. Everybody mentions Gary Statham, really, as the as the um, the soccer player, the, the premier soccer player on the team. I guess I don't know if that's an exaggeration or not, but I think everybody mentions him initially as being the standard. Well, hopefully, when you do a podcast with him, he'll mention me. <laughs> that, that was that was Leon who said. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Listen, they're, they're, everybody's had a story about Coach Wright, and I love the story that you shared, Leon. Uh, the Billy yeah, Hop yeah. story. So, Can you share so that? In eighth grade, so we went to Oceanside Junior High School. So interesting. We never called it Merrill Avenue. It was just the Oceanside Junior High School. So the the um so we they had this triple S night. Um. Strength, speed, and stamina. So the teams are dividing up, and Billy Hap was so he's a ninth grade. He was head of one of the teams, and and you know, I was on separate teams. So he's team, Coach Wright is telling Billy Hap to do something, and Billy messes it up. So he says to, to Hap, he said, "If you were a girl, your name would be Miss Hap." I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> that is hysterical, and and that is typical Artie Wright yeah. also. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's great. Any um stories about Joe Goldberg playing with with uh, 
So I remember, we, uh, you know, we, we joined the German-American League a little bit later than the other guys like the Kaplans and Tony Higgins. And, I mean, it was hard to actually hear Joe Goldberg talking because other guys were imitating him. Um, <laughs> all the time. You can, I knew he was trying to teach us stuff, but I actually learned from the more guy, more from the guys making fun of him. But you'd pile into his Peugeot, he'd drive you somewhere. I was put in center forward position that those years, and they. I always like to run back on defense to help, but they had somebody standing in, on the on the center line to make sure I didn't go back over the halfway line. But he, you know, he had a lot mm-hmm. to teach us, and it was really great. He brought us this. He just exposed us to so much great soccer. Um, so the combination of what you got with Artie Wright and what we got with um, Joel Goldberg was really phenomenal. And uh, I know other guys caught up with a guy named Montana, but we, did, we didn't have that experience. But uh, it was really, really very, very valuable for I, I think it's safe to say that many other schools in Nassau County and Suffolk County could not offer the same kind of uh, coaching yeah and experiences that uh, we got through our experiment, our time played in, in Oceanside. But the, the interesting thing to me was the, the, the lack of skill that I had in, in dribbling. So he... Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that impressive to me, Leon. I noticed that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the, I yeah, had a great as, left foot. I could re- listen, as a fifth grader watching, I wasn't too impressed. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I'm joking. I, I could I'm really, joking. with the left foot, I could kick the ball so well, and my throw-ins were incredible, and the corner yeah. kicks... But he took us on the on the track, which was a permanent track. Then he said, "Okay, stay in this one lane around the the um, the track, the, the 440." I could not keep it in the lane. I'm thinking, you, you're not, "Are you really supposed to be able to do this?" I mean, because there's no way that we that I could do it at yeah. all. You know, and well, I know that uh, Tony Higgins mentioned that he played against me at Cornell, but it was really interesting because when you got to college, you know, in, in high school, Artie Wright used to just let us play. And we learned a lot playing. And then all of a sudden I got to college and like we had to do drills, you know, made the whole thing so boring. And actually then like you were a lineman and you had, and people passed the ball backwards. None of this really made a lot of sense, but it was, mm-hmm. it was interesting to get a, a new different level of play. Yeah. And Andy, Andy, and, and Andy was very successful in, at college. I mean, he went to- Well, I, you know what, you brought up the, uh, the fact that I was a South Shore champion in the hundred yard dash. I'd like you guys to, to take this opportunity to share a little bit about the accolades and the, and the achievements that you uh, experienced through soccer. So actually, you know, say so I played at Cornell and just like Tony, we were able to make it to the final four one year. And I was lucky enough to actually that the goal, I mean, I played line freshman year. And you know how they talk about when you get to college, they say who was the captain on their team um, mm-hmm. and everybody raises their hand. Um, well, I was like the one guy who couldn't. Because we had, and I would never even think being in Oceanside that I would be captain because everybody was so great. Um, I could imagine, you know, where we're 11 guys to start, I figured I'd probably be number 11 online to be captain. But the, kind, the way people were so good in high school, I mean, I ended up being ca- captain of the freshman team. So, you know, and I would never have dreamed that in, in Oceanside. But we were at a really good team. And then we had a lot of, um, really excellent ball players from all over the world. And actually, I moved to right wing back position. And the goalie right behind me was Bruce Arena, which Tony Higgins had mentioned. So that was exciting to have him behind me. And another player on the team was Dave Sarakin, who just now became the interim national coach. So who knew, mm-hmm. you know, that I'd be lucky enough to be able to play with those people. But it's interesting right. that in high school, I thought Liam was a much, much better player than me. But when we got to, he went to Harvard, I went to Cornell, and they really never gave him a chance. 
So that was unfortunate. No. But it's interesting because you compare that college game and the high school game. And uh, I just thought that the college game was rougher. We had more drills. But, uh, you know, I, the one thing that was worse in college than in high school is the guys in the bus that just not, did not know how to sing oldies. <laughs> it was, a definite yeah, a lot of good singers on the, in the track team, the Termini brothers. And, yeah, there were a lot of good singers in the track and the soccer team. So when I started, Andy, I'm sorry, Andy, like, what's I your problem? You know, say that again. When I started singing once on the bus, the coaches looking at me and say, like, what's your problem, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Andy, I was going to say that you and I have something else in common that I, I also graduated from Cornell. Oh, great. And, and I was going to play soccer until I dislocated my shoulder. So I never got to play soccer at Cornell. But uh, I loved, loved being up there. And I'm sure that you have that same feeling about you know, it. Yeah, it was great. It was a great yeah. place to play. Yeah. I was lucky because the team was in its infancy when I got there. Almost the same kind of thing that Tony said about Brown. He came there at a good time. Mm -hmm. um, and it was lucky for me. Well, listen, I, I gave you guys, I thought I opened the door a little bit to have you guys just talk a little bit, a little bit about your achievements and everything, but you didn't really take advantage of that. Talk about the, the awards and, and, and you guys were MVPs, were you not? Yeah, so I, uh, so I was uh, the next year captain of the soccer team and captain of the outdoor track team, and I was MVP of the, the soccer team and... Uh, MVP of the Long Island Championship game in 1969. Mm -hmm. So, so specifically, I remember getting hearing the award and everybody yelling at me because I didn't know I won the MVP. And then going up there with the, I had that black shoe polish under my eyes. It was one of those kind of days, and I have some great pictures and memories of, well, at least of winning the award. In the uh, interesting in, in this 68 game, apparently, you know, I know Steve. Uh, Spitz said that his mother told him he had the assist, but I read the newspaper article that said I had the assist for Sal Schifferlitti's goal. So apparently I had the assist. I didn't remember that at all. But that's the kind of team it was. That I, I never – interesting that the front line was interested in the, in the uh, goals they scored. I never thought about – I would just pass them the ball and know that they would take it in. That was my goal. Mm -hmm. Assist, assist, ball, and, and, and uh, they would do the job. Well, you guys, I'm sure, recognize in retrospect that you did impact uh, the teams that you played on, your leadership and, and, and what you brought to the game. But also, Leon, you seem to uh, impact the track team even after you graduated. And uh, there's a story I'm going to ask you to share, if you don't mind, uh, about how you influenced and um, inspired the track team the year after you graduated? Yeah, so just to go back a second. So this concept that Andy said, we just assumed that we would win. It was just, uh, you know, and Andy and I were on, we undefeated soccer team the next year, 17-0-1. We never lost a dual track meet um, in, in all our high school careers. So we just, and we won many county championships, always won division championships. Just assumed that we would, I don't know what it was about us or mm -hmm. that we were that much better or who, who knows why we, our teams won. I guess everybody. Look, there were a lot of great athletes on the um, track team. We had guys like Lee Wallace and Jay Brozos, who were the shot putters, these big guys. And when they said you better win, you know, mm -hmm. we, we put everything into it. But Leon, yeah, so, was there a, a letter that you wrote? Yeah, so when the, the year, so my freshman year at, at Harvard, 
I had written a, a letter to the team before the outdoor championship and just talked about, I don't, I don't remember the content of the letter, but about pride, about Ostad, how I knew they could do it, how I knew they could win. And uh, Coach uh, Hendler said later on, that was my letter that inspired them to win the, the county championship the year after I left. So it was nice to hear. That's a great story. And, and following up on that, so I, you know, I'm a psychiatrist, so I've done a fair amount of work with, I think my my real niche would be sports psychiatry. So mm -hmm. I did, um, in my, when my son played uh, soccer for, for uh, Cherry Hill East High School, I volunteered to hypnotize the, the entire team. I got permission from all the parents. And so in my living room with 15 guys with their mouths high, wide open, as I hypnotized them, and then the, the level this, of play. This is, this is an actual story. Yeah, this yeah, actually yeah. happened. Did they win, they, won, they I think they tied again. They played so well. It was crazy how great they played. So the, the, the coach was a German, uh, Coach Mueller. He said, we began the season with uh, the, the sin of conceit and the sin of uh, avarice and the, and the sin of uh, laziness, and the gods were angry. I went to the, uh, the dinner at the end of the season. And then Leon Rosenberg came, and, and the gods were happy, and we played great. It was a nice speech he gave. So and then I I worked with, I volunteered with the Harvard men's ice hockey team for five years. Mm -hmm. I hypnotized. I worked with them, and the first year I worked with them, they uh, in fact so I knew about the Cornell Harvard, the big Cornell Harvard ice hockey rivalry where they right. the Cornell guys throw uh, fish on the ice. Mm -hmm. So I hypnotized the, the Harvard men's hockey team because the first time I was the weekend I was there, I. Uh, a guy was in one of the houses and and somebody said, when do you play Cornell? And the Harvard player says, or I think it was even when the captain says, we play him, you know, February 16th, but they always find a way to beat us. I said, I, man, I know I got these guys. I can hypnotize them to win if they have that incorrect attitude. And and they uh, beat Cornell at Cornell for the first time in seven years. And when I walked wow. in the locker room, they started chanting, Leon, Leon, Leon. Very cool. So I, I know we're going on, on a tangent here, but I have to ask this question. Can you hypnotize anybody or are there some people who are resistant to being hypnotized? Well, your brother's a little resistant. So I, <laughs> I, I want to hypnotize the entire team at this dinner. Well, my brother's resistant too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'd like to hypnotize the entire team to remember the feeling of how great each of those are as individuals. Because every guy on that team has greatness. Everybody in the world has greatness. Yeah. But, it, but you know, these were guys we played with, we could count on. Uh, as opposed to, you know, I'm, I'm treating a patient now who plays for, played for local high school. And when he uh, made the team, they had a hazing for him you know, as, a, as a sophomore. I mean, who's mm -hmm. gonna, that's not a team. We, we never had anything like that at Oceanside. Everyone's on the same page. Um, so, in fact, when my son ran for, uh, he won that marathon at his high school, and the other guy said, you can't not let a run beat us and making us look bad, as opposed to us, would, everybody's glad to have us on the team, and, and nobody complained, you're, you're sophomores on the team, what are you doing here, you know, it's all uh, mm -hmm. one common goal. Right. Listen, I have to ask you guys both to respond to this, because this is really indicative of your work ethic, uh, the fact that you were given a nickname, both of you, by the uh, upperclassmen of the, oh, the track team. Right. You, want, you want to share what I'm talking about? Yeah, so they used to call us the Bible because Handler would give us a workout and we would just do it exactly as... Uh, so I can picture Tony Greco, Artie Selman calling us the Bible. We'd be walking to, uh, to practice in the morning and the, uh, the after school. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that, that does speak to your, your work ethic. And um, 
and, and that I'm sure that followed you to, to, to college. And then you both went on to become doctors. And uh, that's, that's just incredible. And you have a younger brother who was a doctor as well. Yeah, Mitch. Mm-hmm. So, the, and, and you, you knew him uh, from this? I, I did know him. You know what? I haven't thought about him in years. And then when you mentioned him this afternoon, I just, all of a sudden I had this picture. Yeah. Um, but it's been a long, long time. Now, he's yes. not going to be at the reunion, is he? Uh, well, we can, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. We can, we can yeah. see. Okay. Um, a- any other stories about the, the championship, the, the, the game that, that clinched it and, and brought the Long Island championship to the sailors of Oceanside? A- any uh, stories that you want to share that have not been shared yet? Um, I just, I, I remember, Andy doesn't remember, but I remember Tony Higgins stopping that, that play. Yeah, that that seems to be the play that everybody. Yeah, everybody seems to really remember that. But now, did it really happen that way? I mean, everybody's talking about it. Is, is, did it really? Did he, he just, went along. It was one on one. He was. Yeah. He was. But to, your dad spoke about it. He right? did. He did. I, I'm joking. I, I know that the way because I was there and I saw it also. Yeah, it, it's just amazing. And my dad saw it. And my dad will be at the the dinner, and maybe oh, uh, maybe you can share his his recollections of that that play as well. So great. So guys, I hope you've had fun. I, I've had yeah, a lot just, of fun a, just one, this. one sad memory I have, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah. I remember uh, to share how people, how you cope with things. So Andy and I, when I guess it was freshman year at college, went to visit Rudy LaMonica in the yeah. hospital. Yeah. And um, you know, he was dying from osteosarcoma mm-hmm. or at that point, he just had an amputation. Mm-hmm. So he said to me, when we walked in the door, he said, Leon, you gave me this cancer. Uh. So I said, well, what are you talking about? Or I don't know what I said exactly, but I knew. So he and I, so you talk about not scrimmaging or not uh, drilling, but, mm-hmm. but the front line and the midfielders, I guess, used to, they used to, used to practice tackling, getting the ball from them. And Rudy never wore shin guards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one time, uh, you know, I got the ball from him or, or didn't get it and, and kicked him in the shin. So that must have. He must have already had this cancer then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so it's interesting that, you know, there, there were multiple ways to cope with it. So in my naivete, I guess I said, that, that doesn't make sense to me that I would have given you cancer. How could that possibly be? So, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I had that coping tool as opposed to mm-hmm. feeling guilty. Um, I remember um, my sister coming home from school and the, the day that they made that announcement over the PA system that Rudy had passed. And it was just a, a very, very sad, devastating thing that the, not just those who were connected to him through soccer, but the entire community felt the loss because of uh, the kind of person he was. And, and it just was a very, very, very yeah, sad it was situation. very sad for all of us. Mm. Um, well, guys, I have to tell you that this is, if we've been uh, at this now for about a half an hour and we could probably go on for another half an hour, but uh, we'll have an opportunity to, uh, to see everybody at the reunion on the 17th. So, so I have this hypnosis. I just want to get, so how do I, how do you think I get the team convinced that I can hypnotize the entire team to feel, to remember how great they are? And <laughs> can you do it through a podcast? I, yeah, so I could do your brother. I think they may do it. So I'm, uh, let's do a podcast. I'll hypnotize your brother on air. I've, <laughs> I've hypnotized them 
with last year, I, I, I do these psychiatric uh, research studies. So I paid a lot of money mm-hmm. to advertise on the sports radio in Philly. And preseason, they said to me, can you hypnotize pessimistic Eagles fans to be optimistic? <laughs> and, and live, I hypnotized five <laughs> pessimistic Eagles fans to be optimistic. It was live. And one guy was in Florida on FaceTime. And they all felt great after that hypnosis. So then, and the Harvard hockey team I hypnotized. And then, uh, so I'm going to, either your brother will do it live when he's maybe in his travels or, you know, because it. What, so what kind of a success rate can you attach to your hypnosis? 100%, 90%? Uh, so most, I say 95%, but I only do it for confidence. Uh, you know, I don't do. Mm-hmm. I don't do smoking cessation, which I should. I don't weight loss. It's just for mm-hmm. confidence, remembering how great you are. Uh-huh. So, so for that, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's pretty simple. So, uh-huh. you know, I could, so, we, so we'll do a podcast on that with your brother and, uh, and we'll do it live. And if it doesn't work. You know what? He, he doesn't need to be hypnotized to feel confident. Right. But it's a special. It's a, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have to do you, Tom, then. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and I in right. upstate New York, I, hip, I on the um, on the radio, I hypnotized the announcers of a, the small radio station and um, the listening audience. So a guy calls from the ski slope. He says, "Yo, I was listening to the radio and I heard this hypnosis, and I I went out to the uh, slope and I I took a jump I never took before." And I'm thinking, "Oh shit!" <laughs> he said, "And I fell, but it was the great. It was so great." So, so long distance, this is doable. But at the at the reunion, we're gonna do. You know, I need seven minutes. That's it. All right. Well, you'll you'll get the seven minutes. Okay, that's for sure. Well, guys, this has been great. I really appreciate it, and um, I'm going to uh, add that music to this as well. Okay, Tom. Thanks. Okay. Your 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 choice of song to this, and we'll uh, that'll begin and end our podcast okay great. thank you thank, thank you very much all right good guys night. so we'll see you in november yeah all right take well, care thanks. guys thanks andy good night bye guys we just have to play